Welcome to the Amplifier Event Marketing Podcast. Your chance to listen in on a no-holds-barred conversation about marketing events and venues from the best in the business. Now here's your host, Kendra Wright. Hi there, and thanks for tuning in to the Amplifier. Today, I'm coming to you from the International Association of Festivals and Events Convention in Kansas City, Missouri. And I'm here with Mary Pinnock, Community Events Manager for the City of West Palm Beach, Florida. The City of West Palm Beach does over 150 events per year, and her office also permits everything that happens on public property in the city. So she likes to say that if you're having fun and it's legal in the City of West Palm Beach, chances are her office has something to do with it. She has a lot of events, including some really long-running ones, and I'm very excited to hear all about them. Before we start, though, I want to mention that my company is Sapphire Events, and we help events, venues, and destinations market themselves smarter online. But today, I'm hoping that we can give you some ideas to help you ignite your own marketing. As I mentioned, I'm here with Mary Pinnock. She's a very busy lady, as you're about to find out, and so I'm thrilled that she took time out of her busy life to join me for the Amplifier. Mary, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Kendra. Well, I about talked Mary's ear off before the interview. Finally, I was like, Mary, we've got to stop because we've got to go on the air at some point. She is fascinating, and I know that you're going to love hearing what she has to say. So, Mary, I mentioned in the intro that you have 150 events a year, and all of us that manage maybe one or two events a year are kind of in awe right now, and, you know, hopefully, you know, if you're driving, you're, you know, not on the floor. Um, Tell me, what does your job entail? Well, we do. We produce 150 events a year, and we permit another about 100 events a year on public property in the city of West Palm Beach. So I have a great team of people that I work with, and we are just constantly on the go. Sometimes we have had four events in one week that we produce, and sometimes we have three, and sometimes it's just one giant event of the 4th of July, for example. That's practically a day off, a week off for you. Just one event in a week? Okay, I mean, you know, it's okay. You can slack every now and then. Um, So tell me, um, how, how long have you been there? I have been with the city for 25 years, just celebrated in August, yep. Wow. Well, okay. So you're so young. How did you do anything before then? <laughs> we're having to really dig deep here to when you were like three, I know. But anyway, did you do anything before that? I did. I worked for country clubs before I went to work for the city of West Palm Beach. And I had different jobs there, but I always found myself gravitating towards what can we do for the members? What kind of fun can we create? And when the job came, up, came open at the city of West Palm Beach, I said, you know, this is what I need to do full time. I, I need to be involved in having, making people's lives a lot more fun. Well, and I talked about, you know, how you have so many events and I'm sure events, event managers ask you about that. Is there anything else um, other event managers ask you about when they meet you? <laughs> well, yeah, they do. They ask me how, you know, do you get any sleep with 150 events? and. Um, They also, you know, they ask, how how do you keep your events fresh? That comes up a lot of times because we have an event that happens every single week, every Thursday night. And what do you do? And, you know, I said, we just try to to really um, keep things fresh with new ideas and bring fun to the events. And what are some different things that we can do that nobody else does? That's great. And so, you know, talking about so many events, um, Um, Tell me just, give me a little idea of some of your biggest events. Let's just kind of start there. Well, the oldest event that we have is 25 years old, and it's the 4th on Flagler, which is a 4th of July event, and it attracts 100,000 people to the waterfront in five hours. So it's, um, that's a lot of people in in five hours' time. Then we have uh, Clematis by Night, which is our Thursday night concert series, every Thursday night, except Thanksgiving, and a couple of other dates. 
and that's been going on for 20 years. Like I said, we have a green market that is also celebrating its 20th anniversary this year. And then we have some monthly events that have been going on for one of them 10 years and then some relatively new ones. And then we have our holidays, which is 30 straight days of uh, fabulous tropical programming. Mary, you kill me. Okay, tell me about your team. I need to know about your, how big is your staff? I'm sure you have a giant staff to manage all these. <laughs> I say that because no one has a giant staff, it seems like. But anyway, how in the world do you do all this? You know, well, I work for city government, so no, I don't have a giant staff. Um, there's basically six full-time people, which includes an administrative assistant and two part-time people. And I just have a fabulous team that works really well together. We're all very different skilled. Um, you know, some of us are the creative people, some of us are the logistical people, but uh, they're very dedicated and they are, they basically are there whenever, you know, we need to be there, which is basically all the time. Wow. And I can tell from, I think I know the answer to this, that you were saying, you know, some are creative and some are more logistical. What would you say is the strength that you bring to the table? Oh, I'm definitely the creative one. I, they, they have to pull me down from the sky a lot, you know, the, the logistical people look at me like, really? And then okay, we'll get it done. It's, um, I, uh, I, like, I like to do that. I like to be the big idea person and then let them tell me to, you know, got to calm it down a little bit there, Mary. <laughs> I love it. I have to say, I knew we were kindred spirits. I feel I'm the same way. I can't get anything done, but I can have, I have a lot of ideas. And I, I think that obviously all you need is people that are, have a mutual respect for that. If you have a mutual respect for the people who can get it done and they respect your ideas, that's just great. So, Tell me, so, okay, so you have 150 events, and I'm still just trying to absorb that <laughs> in my mind, and I'm sure everyone is. Um, how did you get to have 150? Like, when you started, how many events did you have? And, and, and I know a lot of people may be thinking, well, how did you get all those events there? Did they come to you? Did you go to them? Did you create them? Or how, what's the mix? Well, basically, we started with three events in the city. And um, we turned to a strong mayor form of government, and the first mayor back, this was about, I guess, 18, no, 20 years ago, she said, we need to, the downtown needed to be revitalized. Nobody was coming downtown. It was, you know, one of her goals was to really make a difference. And she called me in her office in May, one year. It was 1995, actually. And she said, uh, Mary, we need to start doing more events. And there was myself and one other staff person, no secretary, nobody answering the phone, two of us. I said, okay. And she said, uh, yeah, so next month I want to start doing a weekly event. <laughs> I said, next month, okay. And she said, uh, yeah, we'll just do it for the summer. You know, we'll give it a shot. I said, would you have anything in mind? She said, well, I want it to be music. And I said, okay, leave that to me. I, you know. So we started an event and we called it Clematis by Night. And we went up in June and it, first night we did it, we had a bus come by and drop off 400 people, so there were 402 of us there because it was myself and the other staff person and a bus that happened to be in town that needed to use the restroom, so they stopped. But it continued to grow, the word of mouth, because people wanted to be downtown. They wanted a reason to come downtown, and we were giving them a fun reason to come downtown. So it went on in June, started to pick up steam, July. So August, I got up on the stage. It was the last, this is the last night. And I got up on the stage and I thanked the, you know, a couple of hundred people were there. I said, thank you very much for coming. We're really glad this was successful. We'll see. I got booed. I got booed off the stage. Wow. If they had had tomatoes, I would have been sauced completely. I mean, it was that bad. Next day, the phone did not stop ringing at the mayor's office. You cannot end this. 
the community fell in love with being back down. It's very traditional, you know, it's not old for standards of some cities, but people fell in love with being in that place. It was about being in that place. And not only that, it was all different types of people. And that's what really makes our, our events successful, is these people, you have people from Palm Beach, which, you know, this is a higher echelon of mm -hmm. the bank account, all the way down to just, you know, normal, everyday people. And they all come together and they dance together and they, they don't care, that all that's thrown aside. It's about being in a special place that, that they love with the tradition. My parents grew up there. They'll talk about, you know, with love, downtown West Palm Beach. And it was being in that place and being together and just, you know, everything else aside, that, that was what they wanted to come for. So needless to say, we continued. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay, I have so many questions. One of them is, so the downtown, okay, I know a lot of people that are listening, they have downtowns that are not lucky enough to be thriving and have the history and tradition. Have the events changed downtown at all? Or was downtown already there? And if not events, was anything going on there? Or what? How did it change the nature of the city? Um, basically, what had changed right before Clematis by Night started was they had done some infrastructure changes and beautified the area. And we had started an put in an amphitheater, so um, some physical changes had taken place. There were very few businesses open downtown. And when we started Thursday night, we started to see a couple of thousand people coming down every Thursday. That was the day that developers were bringing you know, potential businesses onto the street. So they used our event as a catalyst to get people, because people said, oh my gosh, there's a couple of thousand people down here, not knowing that Friday night if there was gonna be a couple <laughs> thousand people. So it really was a catalyst to revitalize downtown. And it continues to be, events continue to be the number one reason that people come downtown. I know, I think that's so cool because my company's called Sapphire Events and people are like, oh, you just do events. And I'm like, well, no, a lot of us have events. You know, I mean, cities have events and, you know, destinations. And, and a lot of times if there's a restaurant that's always there, it's not as much of a draw. It's a draw when you have something going on. So speaking of something going on, another thing that I think people could take from this is, and I think it's really interesting that you started it as a smaller thing and then it grew. And I almost think there could be a strategy to that, like a limited time. We're going to have this for, you know, eight Thursday nights. You better get down here and then, oh, by popular demand. But you didn't have any of that in mind, did you, at the okay. beginning? That's uh, that's amazing. But I just, I've done that before where we'll do the last minute, you know, on an email. Okay, last chance. And it's, oh, by popular demand. And we planned it sort of the whole time. Sorry, everybody. I'm not always, you know, 100 on the up and at 100%. But um, I think that that's something that's good. The other thing is, is I think it speaks to the whole starting small. I know some people are probably like, oh, let's start an event and let's make it this giant thing. Talk to me a little bit about sort of the nature of starting events and and um, and what's realistic? We get that all the time. We get people from other that have had big events in other cities that want to roll in and have this big event. Or we have people that call us and say, "We're going to be the next Sunfest. You know, can you permit us?" And you have to grow in, in our community. Anyhow, I, I can't really speak for everybody in our community. It's best to grow your event with the community. Don't try to be everything for everybody the first year. Don't try to be somebody else. Be, be your event, and what does your community want? And in our, you have to engage the people. We engage them through nonprofits all year long. We do, you know, we just really try to bring in what's authentic to our community. There's an event one year that tried to happen in downtown, and they wanted to create an event for Palm Beach, in West Palm Beach, and they rolled in, you know, anything, a lot of fancy, and it didn't work. And it didn't work because it wasn't authentic to, if you want to 
do an event that represents another place, then do it there. Right. <laughs> you know, it, it didn't work. So I think that we always tell people, be realistic, start small. If you don't know our community, get to know our community first and then grow from there. Because otherwise, if you roll in something that worked in, I don't, you know, Kansas City, mm -hmm. it may not work here. And how do people get to know the uh, community? I'm sure one way is going to the events, right? Absolutely. We had a, a recent event that was a first time event and they did it right. They went out for months in advance. They had a, it was a like a seafood, uh, taste of seafood type event. And they went out to the local cities around and they had a chef competition and they got to know, they engaged many nonprofits to participate. So by the time the event started, Everybody was so looking forward to it. They felt like they already knew the event. They did a really, really good job. Unfortunately, it poured rain that day. It was one of those rainy days in the Sunshine State. But um, they're, they're still set up for next year because people, people are already anticipating it to come back. And that's another thing, the strategy of the partnering with nonprofits. I mean, we're, we're going to talk about that in a second. Mary has a very funny story about a sculpture, a sculpture that you would not uh, quite expect um, and how uh, she used it to the benefit of a nonprofit. But first, let's talk about some of your long-running long events. Um, I know you have several, and everyone wants to have these events that have this like sort of almost iconic status in the town or the, uh, the area. How do you keep events fresh, though? I mean, now we've talked about going small and starting small and, you know, growing, but then once you've grown, what are some of the things you do to just keep them fresh? I know you use your creativity. Tell me a little bit about it. Well, we, like I said, we have a 4th of July event called 4th on Flagler. Not only is it 25 years old, it also competes with every other city. Every city has fireworks, has something going on. So we really look for what can we do differently. So some examples, two years ago, we brought in a gentleman from Wisconsin who yeah, you guys, she has a lot of fans here. I mean, really, the whole lobby is full. No, I'm kidding. There's some sports fans that are walking by. You know, we do this thing. This is sort of live. This is what you get. All these sports fans walking by with each a 12-pack of Bud Light. Enough said. Okay. <laughs> it's like, what stories do you have from your event? What stories do you have from your podcast? Well, there's this one time these guys all walk by with a 12-pack. Each of them, look at it. They each, or maybe it's a case. I'm not sure. But anyway, yeah, it's we're living Monday Night Football right here in Kansas city it's a big sports weekend uh, for this town anyway mary you were talking about cheese i believe and uh, the fourth of july and i really want to hear this story because i know it's a good one so anyhow a couple of years ago we brought in a gentleman from wisconsin to sculpt a 600 pound block of wisconsin cheddar cheese and um, so we brought him we flew him in he flew in the cheese and he sculpted a giant Mount Rushmore out of 600 pounds of Wisconsin cheddar. And he did it in City Hall three days prior. So people were coming in and they were trying the cheese. And then we had him down on site for the event. And I mean, he got so much press and people were coming from all over to see the cheese. And then we donated the cheese to a local homeless shelter who then gave it out to many different nonprofits. And so it was a, it was a complete win-win for us in that regard. And just out of curiosity, when you passed it on to the nonprofits, did you get publicity for that as well? And did you anticipate that? Um, we did, and we actually worked with their uh, publicist to to make that happen. Yeah, we figured they every well, we didn't want it to be a negative. What happened to 600 pounds of Wisconsin cheddar? Did it go in the garbage? And absolutely not. That's awesome. I um I have done things in my career where I've kind of as an afterthought thought, you know what, this would be good to tie in with a nonprofit, and then that's the lead story. Yeah. And so I think that's another good 
ed lesson is, you know, finding that tie-in strategically and making a positive out of something that might be negative, I think is really cool too. Um, and creative, like I said. Um, so tell me, have you had any events that haven't continued? And I know we all, you know, have success. I know you particularly have tons of successful events, but are there any that haven't continued and what, what can we all learn from those? We did. We had a couple of monthly events when we redid the waterfront and, and you know, we were given another, I don't know how many, there were several, about 40 new events we were given. They were monthly events. And um, one of them was a dance party. And the other one was a jazz event. And they were both monthly. And there were some weeks when we had an event Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday morning, and Sunday. Well, we're competing with ourselves. And the newbies are, you know, it's going to be more difficult. So we had a DJ dance party that um, was maybe 50 people mm. every month. And it was kind of a, a political connection with the event. And finally this year we said the budget process, it's costing us $23 a person mm -hmm. to do this event. And it's really not bringing people downtown. Um, and the ones that were coming were not a different crowd. They were the same, they were the same people. So we discontinued it. We had a little, you know, five people were upset about it, but that's what you do. And then the jazz event, we actually have a monthly jazz event in the library. So we were competing with another department in the city. So we said, you know, we're gonna, and um, it'll help us. It gives us more time to really focus on the, the good things that we do that, you know, are getting a lot more traction. Yeah, that's awesome. I think sometimes it's hard. It's almost like you need somebody from the outside to say, um, Mary, why are you doing that? Yeah, <laughs> At least for me. We, we were saying it ourselves. For you, okay, <laughs> yeah. It's like sometimes it's hard with different contingents and everything, but yeah. anyway. Um, Let's see, let me ask you about the number of events. Again, you can tell I'm very in awe about this. Is there, do you think there's a perfect number of events or what criteria do you use when you are, probably, I hope it's very strict criteria now <laughs> that you use uh, for new events, but what do, you, what do, in all seriousness, what do you use as your criteria or how does it come about that 150 events is the number for you? You know, to be com completely honest about it, in government, sometimes you're told you're gonna do this, 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 and this, and, um, I, I think it was the right decision to eliminate the two monthly events that we just did. And then we have our traditional events that are 20, 25 years old. And as long as we keep them fresh, they're gathering, they're, they're doing their job. You know, so we kind of evaluate them on attendance is a big thing. And also different types of crowds. Our green market attracts a different crowd than say our concert series does. So we're getting, you know, all of the community to come down. That's important. And um, the 4th of July, we, everybody comes to that. Awesome. And then sometimes we create new events like our holiday event um, because we need to do, we need to have something going on during the holidays. You know, other cities have things going on. So we, we created a whole 30 days worth of programming around um, a new tradition and icon that which is Sandy the Giant Holiday oh, yes. Sand Tree. Oh yes. <laughs> oh, yes. oh, yes. You were telling me a little bit. And we're going to have to end on this. I'm so sorry. I could talk to you all day. But tell me about Sandy. Because I think this is, let's just talk about creativity in our events. And this is probably something that if you look up creativity, this is it. Well, Sandy is our 600 ton out of Florida sand, sculpted by world-renowned sand sculptors. It's our holiday tree. She, it's a she because she has a sound and light show every night. She's animated. We've turned her into a whole sassy little tradition, but it's a giant sand sculpture that looks like a tree with lights and music. And it's become, we had about 80,000 people come and see her last year. 
Now, did you start with a tree that out of sand, or how did that come about? Real quick, you've got to tell me. Yeah. Well, we had a tree from North Carolina that was your traditional tree. And I asked the sand sculptors that we were using, I said, I know you can create giant sand sculptures. Can you do a, can you make me a giant tree out of sand? And he said, absolutely. And I mean, people are coming from all over because where it, nobody else in the world does it. So it's something they want to see, you know, it's different. It's maybe the greatest idea of all time. I love it. Um, well, I'm a huge fan, Mary. I really appreciate you taking time to talk to me. I know we could talk forever, but I, there is good news. If you want to learn more about the city of West Palm Beach, just go to www.wpb.org and you can learn more. I want to thank my guest, Mary Pinnock, for joining me today so much. I really enjoyed talking to you. And if you want to know more about my company and how we help events, venues, and destinations have beautiful interactive websites they control themselves, just go to sapphireevents.com. But most importantly, if you like this podcast, you know, we've been doing it now for a few months, but there's always room to grow. And we really appreciate you giving it a review on iTunes. The more reviews we get, the easier it will be to be shared with others. So we really appreciate it. Thanks for joining me today. And hopefully I will see you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on the Amplifier Event Marketing Podcast, brought to you by Sapphire Events for smarter online event marketing. If you have an event or venue, did you know that you can get $20 for spending 20 minutes learning more about Sapphire? Check it out at www.sapphireevents.com. We'll see you next time on the Amplifier.